Tonight we'll look at um, the person of Samuel. Next week we'll be looking more at the person of Saul. Um, as uh, the Bible or the book really goes two distinct different directions or two, uh, two different directions with the book, the beginning of the book uh, up through the life of Samuel and then, uh, and then we'll start the, the era of the kings there. But First Samuel chapter 3 and we'll, for the sake of time tonight we'll just be looking at verse 10 and then uh, we'll get into other passages as we get into the message. The Bible says there, And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. The title of the, of, the, of the Bible study or message tonight is, The Boy Who Learned to Listen. The Boy Who Learned to Listen. Now, what, with that said about the introduction... Most adults don't know how to listen. Most adults really don't know how. I've got to tell you, as a parent, I love it when I tell my child to do something once and it gets done. I love it. You know, the Holy Spirit of God loves it when either He reminds you once through preaching or through Bible reading or through just Him stirring in your spirit and you go and do it. That's the key, learning to listen. Let's pray tonight. God, I do pray that you'd help us as we focus in on the Bible study. Lord, no doubt many, well, all of us have brought in many things that could become very easily a distraction, uh, could steal our attention away from the preaching. Lord, if we're not careful, our mind begins to wander on other things instead of your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give me a clear mind, a concise tongue. Lord, may you help me to say exactly what it is you'd have me to say. Sometimes you lead me and guide me to say things that aren't even in my notes. And and God, if that happens, I pray that you would help me to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. But Lord, those in here today that come in with a lot of uh, preoccupations and worries and various things, Lord, may they be willing to uh, be capable of setting those to the side and just, Lord, to focus in on the Bible study tonight. And I pray that tonight, as a result, they would, everyone here would leave recharged spiritually and uh, ready to, to leave here and to do what's right for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The second great prophet, Samuel. Uh, the first great prophet was Moses. Uh, Samuel became the last judge that Israel knew. Now, we looked at Judges two Wednesdays ago. We talked about how every man did that, which was right in his own eyes. Last week, we looked at the book of Ruth. And uh, the book of Ruth took place during the era of the judges, probably early on in that process, but uh, no doubt was Samuel would be the last judge. The two books named after him begin a 450 uh, period of year period of kings in the history of Israel. Samuel also began the great age of the prophets, which lasted until about 400 BC. The book here gives us the historical record of Israel's transition. From the era of the judges into the era of which kings ruled. The book, the book tells us about the last two judges. And they are, they are Eli, Eli and Samuel. And the book covers the kingdom of Saul and the life of David during the time in which King Saul reigned. Uh, today, uh, this evening, we will focus in the early part of the book. Next week, we'll look more closely at the life of Saul. And I titled this, The Boy uh, Who Learned to Listen, 
to illustrate the importance of listening to what's said, uh, let me share something with you here if I could. There's a story told about Franklin Roosevelt who uh, would often endure long receiving lines at the White House. This would have been back when, you know, just about anybody could walk in the White House today. You, you forget it. Uh, you got to really know somebody. But uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt would endure long receiving lines at the White House, and he would complain that no one really paid attention to what he was saying as he's going through shaking hands. And so one day he decided to experiment to see if people were really listening to him. So as he went through the line shaking hands, he murmured to everyone, I killed my grandmother last night. I killed my grandmother last night. And the responses were marvelous. Keep up the good work. We are so proud of you. God bless you, sir. He went all the way through the line, and nobody seemed to notice what he was saying until he got down to the Bolivian ambassador. And the Bolivian ambassador actually heard what he said. And with no hesitation, the ambassador the ambassador uh, leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> Let me make a statement, and you fill in the blank. When blank speaks, I listen. When blank, fill in the blank, when blank speaks, I listen. Is it when my spouse speaks, I listen? If you're married, I hope so, or you don't have a very happy marriage, amen? Uh, Is it when my children speak? When my children speak, I listen. How many parents are too busy, caught up looking at a cell phone or reading a paper or watching a television screen and their little junior or their little teenage girl runs up and wants to talk to them and yeah, 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 and, and they, they don't really pay attention. When my children speak, I listen. How about this one? When my boss speaks, I listen. How many of you here uh, can say that when your boss speaks, you listen? You better if you want to hold on to that job, right? Uh, you better listen if he says you're to be here till this time and, and you're to show up at this time and, and I want this report on my desk by this time. Boy, you better sit up. You better, those ears better come alive and you better really listen. How about this one for some people here tonight? When money speaks, when money speaks, I listen. Oh, overtime. Yeah. Yeah, God, where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? And you're there and you want that money and you're jumping all over it. And when money speaks, I listen. How about this one? When opportunity speaks. When opportunity speaks, I listen. Now, if it's spiritual opportunity, then you better be listening. The pastor stands up and says, we're going to be having a Tuesday evening visitation program. And you go, no, uh-uh, not for me. Uh, well, we're going to have Saturday morning soul-winning visitation. Uh, no, not for me. Um, let me stop you. The Bible doesn't mandate that you come out to a church organized soul-winning time, but the Bible does mandate that you go soul-winning. And so whether or not you're going to do it through an organized setup or not, you got to do it if you're going to be in line with God. And so when opportunity speaks, is it that you're listening? Uh, I'm sure we could come up with other things to fill in the blank. Let me ask you, uh, where does God fit into your list of people that you give an ear? Do you listen to God 
when He speaks. Sometimes God speaks through the pastor. Sometimes God speaks through a Sunday school teacher. Sometimes God speaks to you through your Bible reading. Sometimes you can be riding down the road and there's this thump in your chest. Turn the radio off. Turn the music off. Even if it's good Christian music, turn it off. And the Lord just wants to minister to your heart and speak to you through your spirit. Do you listen? Do you listen when God speaks? I'm not asking do you hear Him. Do you respond? I believe that we can learn from this little boy Samuel on how to tune our lives to God so that we can, uh, so that when He speaks, we listen and then we obey. Matthew chapter 22 verse 14 says this, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now let me give you an application from that verse. Brother John Sanchez is sitting on the back pew there. Brother John, I believe you can hear my voice quite well. If you, can, if you can hear my voice, just nod your head there, okay? Even if I even if I speak real soft, you you can still hear me because I'm mic'd up and you can hear me. But what if we put you out on Main Street, Putney? I can sit in here and I can say, John Sanchez, come uh, come 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 to the pulpit, John Sanchez. If you're standing out on Main Street, Putney, you're not going to be able to hear me. As we get closer to the Lord. The Lord just has to just whisper our name. I want you to do this. He can call us and He can choose us. Do You know, there are many people God is calling them to salvation, but their hearts are so far away from God, he, they cannot hear His call. So they don't get saved. I think most of you here tonight are saved, but many of you here tonight... You're saved and God's trying to call you to His service. But your lifestyle has you so far away from a close walk with God. If He were to say to you, get up and go to Bolivia, get up and go to Africa, get up and go to South America and be a missionary, you would never hear His voice because there's so much clutter in your life. Many are called, but just a few are chosen. Which ones are chosen? Well, the ones that are close enough to God to hear, and then the ones that are willing to not just hear, but obey. Sometimes I talk about putting gas in my car and the Holy Spirit thumping me in the chest about giving the guy on the other side of the pump there a track. And you think, well, that never happens to me. Well, if you're saved, could it be that you are living so far away from God that there's not that poking in the chest? You get to the place where God pokes you in the chest to do it, and you, you know what, I should do that. Then you're left with the choice. Are you going to obey? Are you going to obey? Tonight I want to take a, a trip back into the early parts of 1 Samuel with you and see five things about Samuel's boyhood. Notice point number one of the message. Let me encourage you to, to take notes. Some of you here are tired tonight and by forcing yourself to jot down those notes that will keep you awake. Number one, Samuel's mother. Samuel's mother. Look back with me at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 13 there. And uh, we, we're uh, a little bit shorter on time tonight. I think that testimony time at the beginning kind of shortened us up. So I'm going to speak fast. i got a lot to say. Uh, we're going to try to get it all in. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine 
wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And if you know the backstory here, Hannah had a problem. Uh, Hannah could not have children. Uh, God had closed up her womb. And yes, Hannah was married and Hannah wanted to have children, but uh, Hannah could not have children. And she had uh, made this trip many times to Jerusalem for the many different feasts. And uh, she had prayed many times asking God. Uh, Hannah's husband had another wife and she had children. Back then it was common to be married to more than one woman. That woman had children and Hannah was the favorite of the, of the wives, but Hannah could not have have babies. Many applications or many thoughts can be drawn out of this. In fact, you can make pull so many things out, you can preach a whole separate sermon. But let me just say this. Hannah would have never given Samuel to the Lord if Hannah had not been forced to wait to have a baby. Hannah had to learn how to wait on God until she was brought to a place of full surrender to God. Why did Samuel turn out to be such a fine young man? Well, it was because Samuel had a mother who was totally devoted to God. Listen to you moms in here tonight, grandmoms in here tonight. Let me just tell you, you don't know the power that God has given you when it comes to influencing those young ones that look up and call you mom. And the younger they are, the more power you have. The older they get, the less power you have. But when they're babies, listen, I'm not here to, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, uh, from from uh, uh, such a time in the past that I sound outdated. But I will say this, if I need to be outdated to be in line with the Bible, then I'll be outdated with the culture. I'm okay with that, okay? I don't have a problem with women working. In fact, most of you women that are sitting here today, you have a job, and I'm happy for you. I'm not, I'm not uh, in any way suggesting that you go home and quit your job. Uh, but let me say that, uh, that your number one job, if you're going to bring a child in the world, is not your employment, it's that child. That's your number one job. Listen, you can't put a price or value on the morals that you're going to teach that child. And Hannah was forced to wait, but it made Hannah a godly woman, And Hannah only had that baby for a few short years. And listen, the three to four years that she nursed that child and and had that child in her home, she taught him enough truth that even though he moved in and lived with a dad uh, or a man who had become his adopted dad, uh, become uh, 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 become his authority in his life, even though that man was a terrible parent, Samuel still turned out right Why? Because Hannah took those first three or four years and made a huge, huge impression on him. If you're here tonight and you're a young lady, you've not yet had a baby, please pay attention to the story. And you set your life up in a way where you don't need to earn a paycheck the first three or four years of that child's life. That child's morals becomes your paycheck. You say, Pastor, that, that doesn't fit in with, with, uh, with, with, the, with the progressive women, liberal, liberal women's, uh, uh, movement. And I'm here to say that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And so rock that cradle well. Everything that Samuel would do, Hannah gets a whole lot of credit for it. And I don't think Hannah's worried about credit. But Hannah was the reason why, and by and large, why Samuel turned out the way he did.
Number one, we see Samuel's mother. To you moms here today, let me just say, take your job serious. Now, to the men, listen, you, you dads, you play a huge role as well. And I believe they're both important, if not equally important, especially the older uh, a little boy gets, he needs that dad there, that man there to teach him manhood. Uh, a, little, a, a little girl that grows up to a teenage girl, she needs that dad to have companionship with so she doesn't run and get it from a teenage boy uh, uh, prematurely. She needs to have that with dad. And so dad plays a role as well, but mothers, when they're babies and you're holding them and nursing them and rearing them and loving them, oh my goodness, the importance you play in their life. Number two, Samuel's mentor. Look down at 1 Samuel chapter 21. The story goes there that Hannah uh, told the Lord, I will give him back to you. And so uh, Samuel gets to be old enough where he's uh, weaned from nursing and he's able to uh, operate uh, and do the bare basics on his own. And so uh, Samuel is taken, look down at verse 24, and when she had weaned him, she being Hannah had weaned him, Samuel, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord of Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. This would have been the, the priest or the judge. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee uh, here, praying unto the Lord for this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So she brings Samuel back to the temple and she says, Samuel, this is going to be your home and I am giving you to God. Parents, let me encourage you tonight. Give your children to God. In our sweetheart couples class upstairs with the uh, young married couples, something I, I tried to drive home with them a couple of weeks ago and, and I'll make the same point here is that my children are not mine. I am not going to try to live vicariously through my children. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a pretty athletic guy. I go out and, and I play basketball a couple times a week. I enjoy sports. I do. I try to keep them in their proper perspective. It's God way up here, sports way down here. I try to keep it that way. I think that's extremely important. There was a time in my life where it was out of balance or, or, or sports was a little too close to God and maybe it sometimes it even surpassed. But I can see me as a dad wanting to play vicariously play sports through my children. God... God does not want my children to live my dreams and my visions. God wants my children to live His dreams and His visions. I am to raise my children in a way where they are turned over to God at the age of 18 and they go out into the world and they do what He wants. Hannah said, Samuel doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you, God. Let's notice three, some, three sub-points here about Samuel's mentor speaking of Eli. First notice Eli's service. Eli's service. Look down at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. In a moment, we'll focus on Eli's shortcomings, but let's not forget that Eli was God's representation to the people while he held the office of priest. And uh, so here you have Eli, the spiritual leader, Eli, the priest. And let me tell you what happened to Eli. Satan put a very large target on God's man and his family. 
Now tonight, I'm not here to, to, to emphasize this too much and too hard, but you pray for the pastors of this church. You pray for Pastor Lejeune, you pray for Pastor Rivera, you pray for Pastor Levine, you pray for the deacons of this church. Satan wants nothing more than to take one of us out and have that trophy buck hanging on his shelf. I ruined another church because I took another man down. Now, this church is not built on me, it's built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me be clear is that there are weak Christians that come to this church that look to Pastor Lejeune and Pastor Rivera and Pastor Levine, and uh, they haven't yet learned to put all their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you pray that God keeps the pastors of this church from temptation and sin. So that as if we ever do, uh, or that we won't fall and that we won't hurt others with us. But Eli was... The priest, that was his service. He lived in the temple. He took care of the temple. He took care of those temple ordinances. Let her be notice Eli's sons. And oh boy, here we see where Satan found a entrance into Eli's life. Look down at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. Notice how the Bible describes Eli's sons. Now the sons of Eli, right out of the gate here, were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. So their dad's a preacher. Their dad's a priest. But there's the sons knew not the Lord, lived in the temple, knew not the Lord. Verse 13, and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three, te- three teeth in his hand. And he stuck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And all the flesh hook brought up, uh, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh until uh, all the Israelites that came together or came thither. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servants came and said to the uh, man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for we will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Uh, before Eli, and the words of the Lord was precious in those days, there was no open vision. I think I skipped a page there. My, my fault. Skip down to verse 22. Yeah, I turned two new pages at once. Now, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. How wicked were these boys? The custom was that the sacrifice was brought. We know from studying the sacrifices that they were taking the meat. And this was how the, the priests were fed. They took the animals and they put them into a large seething pot. And like a roast, they would, they would boil that and it would become soft and tender over time. And there was this tool they used, this kitchen tool they used, had three teeth on it and they'd stick it down in there and whatever came up would go on their plate and they would eat it. These boys were going over right after this raw meat had hit that boiling water and they were going in and pulling the whole thing out at once while it was raw. And they were eating the raw meat. And the Bible says that the people abhorred or hated the offering because these boys were forcing, bullying their way in into this meat. You say, Pastor, that's nasty. It is nasty. That wasn't the only thing they did. These men were going and flirting with and, and taking the girls who were outside of the temple 
into the chambers of the temple and they were lying with them. They were uh, acting as though they were married. They were uh, being involved in marital type relations with these girls and just any and every girl they could get. And these were supposed to be the preacher's kids. Satan has found, had found his way into this home. Into this home. Letter C, we see Eli's sin. Eli's sin. Look down at 1 Samuel chapter 3. And this tonight is about listening. We'll get into that more in just a minute. But this is just as much a parenting message as it is a message about listening to God. And so if you're here tonight and you either have small children or one day you will have children or even teenage children, please, please listen very well. Look down at 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13. Now this is God speaking to Samuel. Uh, after God would finally get Samuel's attention in the middle of the night. And God is going to take Eli away from the leadership and give it to Samuel. And here is the reason. This is God speaking to Samuel, verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Here's the iniquity of Eli. Here's the sin of Eli. Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. What was Eli's sin? What was his iniquity? He didn't know how to tell his children no. No. He didn't know how to stand toe-to-toe with his children and say, it's not happening on my watch. Listen, you've got to learn to tell your children no. No. How did these two brothers become so vile? They're left to their own sin nature and left with a parent that was afraid to say no. Let me quickly throw some parenting advice at you here. I would encourage you to write this down tonight. I've shared this, I believe, before in another message, but uh, boy, it, if you can leave and wrap your mind around this and practice it, it really will help your parenting skills. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. Rules... Minus relationship equals rebellion. You say, Pastor, what's that mean? If I spend very, very little good quality, enjoyable time with my children, and I have rule after rule after rule after rule, they're going to rebel every single time. I ask you tonight, parent, how's your relationship with your, with your children? I don't care if they're this big or this big. How's your relationship? Do they, do they look at you and, oh, dad just came home. Oh. Alright, I gotta get in the car with mom. Or is it, mom's here. Yeah, dad's home. Have a relationship with your children. It ought to be that, yeah, there are rules in your home and your rules are even strict and might even be stricter than most parents, but they don't even realize that because they enjoy being with you so much. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. And, and to give you a visual picture of this, I like to think of that military dad who's a drill instructor at work. And he's, you know, in people's face calling them maggot all day. Ripping their bed sheets apart and telling them to remake their bed and drop on the floor and give me 50 and, you know... And then he comes home and, and, and he, and he blows the whistle in the door and all the kids come running in in a line and he's bossing them around, he's getting in their face, he's getting red in the collar, and he never spends any time with them. You know what happens to every one of those kids? They all rebel. Almost every single time. 
Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. Let me throw another one out here. Relationship minus rules equals rebellion. Relationship minus rules equals rebellion. This is the opposite of extreme. You have the parents. Sweetheart, will you sit down, please? Oh, you don't want to sit down? Oh, that's okay. What do you want to do? Oh, you want to go to Chuck E. Cheese for the fifth night in a row? Let's get in the car. Okay, Chuck E. Cheese, okay. Honey, we don't have any money. Well, let's mortgage, let's mortgage the house. Let's take out some money in the equity. Oh, you want to go to Paris for your sixth birthday? Alright, let's go. I'm my child's friend. There's never any rules. We don't want to hurt their feelings. You know what I've seen happen over and over again with that? Rebellion, rebellion. The child grows up and has no respect for mom and dad. None. None. And you try so hard to be their friend, God did not call you to be their friend. God called you to be their authority. Relationship minus rules equals rebellion. You say, well then what is the, what do we do to not get rebellion? Here it is. Rules plus relationship equals successful parenting. Rules plus relationship equals successful parenting. Here's what I've learned as a parent. And I'm not a perfect parent. I don't have perfect kids. But boy, I'm sure trying hard. I have found that the deeper my relationship is with Matthew and April, the more firmly I can enforce the rules and I don't get any rebellion. There has been a time or two in the last couple of years where Matthew has directly disobeyed me. Matthew has given me a little bit of lip. Now, we broke that when he was really little. And immediately came down hard on him. Then I stepped back and I said, I haven't been spending enough time with him lately. There's been a little bit of a lack of relationship with him lately. And I have upped the ante on the relationship so that I can be firm with him on the rules. Firm with April on the rules. And I'm here to tell you tonight that Eli was all about the relationship. He didn't know how to enforce rules. And God said that it was an iniquity against him and it caused him to lose his position. Parenting's not easy. No one said it's easy. But following the Word of God and following good counsel and putting some simple practices in place, you can raise successful children. You can be a successful parent. Number one, we see Samuel's mother. Number two, we see Samuel's mentor. Number three, we see Samuel's maturity. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says there, And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house. And the child, speaking of Samuel, did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. The child did minister. The child did minister. I'm just going to unload the whole wagon on you tonight when it comes to uh, my, my uh, philosophy on parenting. Well, not the whole wagon. There's a whole lot more I could say. But here's some, some of this stuff may sound extreme. It may not sound mainstream. But listen, I, I, I was involved in this stuff here as a child. I was raised in the ministry. So I went in. in fact, before we get into that, look at verse 18. Look down at verse 18, 1 Samuel chapter 2. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. You know why I became a pastor? God called me to do it, and so I'll, I'll make that statement first. But beyond that reason, you know why I became a pastor? Because for me, this is fun. 
This is fun. You know why I think this is fun? Because when I was six years old, spending time with dad meant getting in the car on a Saturday with a bucket of bubble gum and visiting a bus route. That was fun. That was fun. I got to hang out with my dad. No, no, no. I wasn't in some little league baseball. I wasn't in t-ball. I wasn't in coach pitch. I was visiting a bus route with my dad. On Thursday nights at that particular church, I'd go out with my dad and I'd sit in a meeting and I'd sing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing. And then we'd go get in a car with my dad. It was me and my dad. I was a sewing partner at six years old. And I'd sit there and I'd watch him lead people to the Lord. My dad came up to me after the 8.30 service Sunday and he said, boy, you did a good job presenting the gospel. And I looked back at him and I said, you taught me. He said, no, I didn't. I said, I've watched you lead more people to the Lord than I have anybody else. I've seen my dad lead hundreds of people to the Lord. You know, when you get in the car with dad, and after you just watch somebody bow their head, and their eternal destination was saved, and you're rejoicing with a parent at 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 years old, you wake up one morning and you go, I think I want to do this for a career. Why? My dad was teaching me as a little boy to minister before the Lord. Your children, at six years old, at seven years old, at eight years old, can learn to love Jesus, but they've got to see it in a dad and in a mom that loves Jesus. The child ministered because he was being raised in an atmosphere of ministry. Of ministry. Number four. Number four, we see Eli's, we see number four, we see Eli's misunderstanding. Now we get into the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look down at verse 1 with me. We've got to move quickly here. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli, verse, uh, verse 2 there, uh, verse 2 of First Samuel 3. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Then the Lord called Samuel and, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie, uh, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he said, I called not my son, lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be. If he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. For So Samuel went and lied down. Um, uh, for Samuel, I lost my spot there, give me a minute here. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called his other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Here you have Eli, who no doubt had had some of these conversations with the Lord. We don't know that for certain, but uh, if you read the story, you get your mind wrapped around the book. Most likely at some point, God had communicated with Eli the way he was trying to communicate with Samuel. It had been so long since God had communicated with Eli, now that God was calling on young Samuel. And Eli didn't even realize it. He didn't even realize it had been so long he had forgotten. I find some of this humorous. Samuel's laying down there and God's calling him and Samuel comes running in. 
What, 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 Eli? And Eli, I didn't call you. He's thinking, I know I heard something. He goes and lays down, Samuel! Samuel! Eli goes running in. Can I help you? What do you need? What are you talking about? What do I need? I didn't call you. He's like, man, I know I heard my name. What's this guy's problem? He goes and lays down a third time. Samuel! Samuel! He comes in. You called me and don't deny it! You're playing games with me! And he said, aha, I know what's going on here. The Lord's calling you. Next time, sit up and, uh, and t- say, speak word for thy servant here. Can you imagine being a young boy? And you're being told by the priest that the God of the universe is trying to verbally communicate with you. Boy, I, I bet he walked back to his bed with eyes as big as saucers. And he laid there and God called him. Number five, we see God's message. God's message. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 11 there. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at both at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle, in that day I will perform against Eli. All things which I have spoken concerning his house, when I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever, for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever." Here God was laying down some heavy news on a very, very young man. God was preparing Samuel to be Israel's next leader by telling him that God was going to take away his mentor. God was going to take away Eli. The truth is that Israel needed Samuel in the years to come. Samuel would play a vital role in leading his country both politically but more important, spiritually. Let me also add that God needed Samuel. God, uh, uh, God does the majority of His work through His creation. God couldn't have and wouldn't have used Samuel if He had not turned His heart to listening to God. Samuel had to turn his heart and listen to God. Why was Samuel such an effective prophet? Because he knew not only how to listen, but how to obey. Let me ask you tonight. When I open the Bible, this is so key. Listen, I wish the whole, I wish everyone who ever came here was sitting here right now. So please sit up and listen, because this is something I wish I could communicate to everybody. As your pastor, when I open up the Bible and I explain to you what it says, and your heart says, I am not in line with that, do you listen? And obey, or do you ignore and disobey? You ever pay attention to the prayer I pray, often in my introduction to my sermon? I pray that God will help us to listen and obey. You know why? Because as a pastor, if I can get me to listen and obey, and I can get you to listen and obey, there is nothing we can't do as a church in this community. Do you listen and obey. When blank speaks, when such and such speaks, I listen. Is it your career or is it God? Do you value your relationship with God? What three things did Samuel learn about listening? He learned the who. 
He learned to listen to the right speaker. Is your ear in tune with God? He learned the how. He learned to stay still and be attentive. He learned the what. He learned to do something about what he had heard. What three things should we be, we learn about listening? We should learn how to, the who, listening to God's word and not those who don't know him. The how, spend time in prayer and be faithful to God's house. The what, put into practice what you learn from your listening. Let me finish with an illustration. Two guys were walking down, uh, walking through a, a busy park. It was a wooded area. There was some woods around, but the path had a lot of people on it. And the one man had an ear that was trained to hear different sounds in nature. He could pick out the sounds of various birds. And the other guy didn't have that ear. And the two friends are walking along. He said, did you hear this bird? And did you hear that bird? He said, listen, I only hear the same bird chirping. I, I don't understand how you can hear that. He said, how can you hear that? And the guy said, well, my ear has been trained to listen for that. He said, everybody's ears listen to, trained to listen to something. He got reached in his pocket. He got a handful of change. And all that busy sidewalk, with all those people walking around, he dropped the change on the sidewalk, and immediately everybody turned and looked down at the ground. He said, their ear is trained at money. My ear is trained to listen to birds. You know, could it be that you can't hear God because you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to work on you to train your ear to hear God when He speaks? When God speaks, do you listen? When God speaks, do you attempt to do something about it? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. The boy that learned to listen. Do you listen? Do you listen? I work hard to put sermons together that will keep your attention. But I'm not the best preacher in the world. There's preachers a lot better than me. I know that. You know that if you're honest. There's times where you can be tempted to daydream while I'm preaching, but do you listen? Do you listen? When God pokes you in the chest and says, this in your life isn't right, you need to stop. Do you listen? Are you a hearer of the Word only, or are you a doer? When God pokes you in the chest and says, you need to start doing this, do you listen? But pastor, I'm tired. I, I can't. Where God guides, He provides. Do you listen? Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us to be like Samuel. We'd be like that little boy who learned to listen. And he learned that at such a young age and it caused him to be such a great man of God.